Chaplin. <laughs> Welcome to the market. Hi. Go ahead and park it. Hope that you are starving. Debbie Roots Deep got me thinking it's a parsnip. Every week I get knowledge to go. A year before everyone, how did they know? Figuring how they go college to pros. I pop it on listen and now I'm the pro. I'm still trying to grow. And they do the same. Hundreds of teams, too many to name. And yet they are filtering everything. Only the best, Shane Hallaman Kane. Marketplace, marketplace. Debbie is everything, marketplace. Finding the talent is art, I'd say. I leave it to them while I carve my name. Market Marketplace, marketplace, Debbie is everything marketplace. Finding the talent is art, I'd say. I leave it to them while I carve my name. Hey! Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Debbie Marketplace Podcast. Kane, Shane, Nelly back with you again. Not really sure what Nelly was doing last week. I'm assuming that it had something to do with spreadsheets because that's what I believe he does with his time. Um, Shane and I back together after a meeting in Canton and just having one heck of a time so if you happen to stop by the uh, debbie marketplace or draft countdown booth thank you for stopping by we appreciate all the support that uh, you guys give us make sure to join the discord it's absolutely free and we get more people joining every single day it feels like so make sure you hop in there um shane how do you feel officially having met uh the man the myth the legend Devi underscore Kane. I, I look, it, it was it was uh, it was a little scary, but uh, like I said in our second pod, Kane is exactly who he is here. Like, there's no difference. Kane in real life is not different from Kane on the microphone talking on the podcast, right? Some people have a shtick or different voice or different energy. Not Kane. Kane is uh, he's he's at 120 percent all the time. No filter. First thought, best thought. That's why I learned this this weekend. Uh, I, I certainly am. And uh, if you happen to spend time with me, I assume you figured that out. Um, but we're happy to be back. We're happy to be talking uh, Debbie today. Uh, we got we got a couple nerds joining us, Shane. Obviously, Nelly, our main nerd. Um, that's he. That's what he is. Um, he's just our guy. And then we have the. Uh, Big fan of South Carolina himself, Chris Moxley at Chris Moxley 19, uh, joining us as well. You can always find Chris and everything that he's doing over at Campus to Canton. So make sure you check that out as well. All of his work, I believe, is over there, right, Chris? Uh, if it's anywhere else, it's probably plagiarized. So <laughs> I'm, o- I'm only there contributing there currently. Perfect. And you can get CFF stuff, C2C stuff, college betting. That's what he's working on over at campus to Canton. Um, so really happy for him to join. But the one thing that we know that Chris loves just about more than anything else is finding those G5 guys that are not only going to contribute to your CFF teams and your CFF uh, success in a C2C league, but also trying to see if they're going to translate to the NFL. Right. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. We're going to be looking at some guys in kind of that G5 range. It might even we might there's a chance we talk a little FCS. Maybe you never know what, what's going to come out here. Um, so we're going to be talking quite a bit of stuff. Uh, so make sure you join us. And this is only the Devi related portion of this. Um, since this is the Devi marketplace, we want to see um, not only just what that hit rate is. And I assume Nelly can enlighten us on the hit rate of other conferences at positions, I would guess, because that seems like numbers and nerd stuff. Um, but also kind of how some of those traits break down and how they're going to have find success in the NFL. So let's just get after it. 
Nelly, do you have you have hit rates for me, right? If we knew what we were talking about more than 30 minutes ago, then I would have hit rates for you. But I don't have them in front of me, unfortunately. <laughs> here's, here's what I will say. Here's what I will say, because I think this is a very important preface when we talk about G5 guys. The sample is so small, right? Like the issue is these guys don't normally get draft capital. Um, but you see a guy like Sky Moore last year, he gets the draft capital coming out of Western Michigan in, in the MAC conference. Now, it's, it's tough to have – there's no precedent or not that there's no precedent, but there's much less precedent. So it's harder to predict these guys to get there. So I guess the important question is who has the ability to gain draft capital and how are we able to predict that draft capital for for these guys? I don't want to say I'm disappointed Nelly, but uh, (laughs) I thought you would just have like a spreadsheet already made up of things that you didn't know that we're going to talk about, but we might touch on. Yeah, next time, next time. Okay. All right, sounds good. Max, how do you feel? G5, just like the, the greater feel of like G5 guys and going into the NFL, um, does it almost feel like a lost cause or does it feel like more of trying to find the diamond in the rough for you? Well, I hope it feels like trying to find the diamond in the rough. Like that's kind of why we're all here, right? Finding the next guy that we think is going to take a large role in the NFL that was under-recruited, unheralded, we want to find those guys, and it's exciting when we do. Sky Moore is a great example. Um, but I, I agree with Nelly for a lot of it. There just isn't precedent for these guys going round one for the most part. Uh, even day two, especially Sky Moore is such an anomaly as well because he declared early. You do not see a lot of guys from G5 declare early either. That's very rare. So he he's quite the um, outlier in a whole bunch of different senses. But with group of five guys, I'm generally cautious coming from a Debbie perspective. I think if you're in a deep league, that's where I start taking shots on guys that I think are um, versatile that can make their, they just have to make a team if I think they're talented and then we can see them progress. But if they could play a special teams role, they can be a kick returner. Those are the type of guys that I have targeted or at least want to pay more attention to because I think that they could do a lot of different things. And that's the type of player that I at least want to be drafting if I am drafting G5 in a Debbie draft. Shane, how do you feel coming from like a draft perspective? um, G5 guys, like, is it just hoping that any of them get drafted or how do you feel about trying to predict them into obviously day one capital real tough. How about day two capital just in general? Yeah, I think that top 100 capital, I, I think there is an exploitable pocket in Devi of attacking the G5 a little bit more than we are. Now, you know, when we were talking like success rates, um, I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not the numbers guy. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what the numbers are. But, you know, if you look down at the list, like receiver, we get, I think we get a little bit more of those G5 players drafted in the top 100 uh, it seems like, but less of them kind of work out. You know, a lot of them just don't quite hit the heights that we want. Whereas like running backs, it doesn't happen quite as much, but I think we've seen a lot more productive or at least fantasy relevant, you know, running backs. Maybe it's just the positional piece, but um, you know, we've, we've had some of those players. So, you know, I look at like, you know, Rashad Penny went round one, obviously he's had kind of a rough time, but, but guys like, you know, Alexander Madison, um, 
from Boise State or Devin Singletary and uh, from from Florida Atlantic, Daryl Henderson, Memphis. Like these are guys that were still fantasy relevant, still on team, still producing. Kareem Hunt obviously is a big one from Toledo. Like I, I think running backs seem like it's a, a good spot if you can find a productive running back that's in the G five that probably is going to go top one hundred. I think it's a better shot they're going to hold value. Um, even then the receivers to me. Yeah, no, I, I get you there. And I think we're, we're kind of at this spot where like we get to the spot of, well, do we want to take a G five guy that has at least splashed on his own team in Debbie, or do you want to take the complete unknown? Um, that feels even more of an unknown because they might not be a five star or they might be a lower four star, we're wanting to take a shot on rather than some of these CFF guys. And I think you're right that, that there's just a great chance that uh, we can kind of get some steals. Um, so Nelly, who's one of your favorite kind of uh, G5 guys that we need to look at? Hmm. Well, I think there's a trio of running backs that are probably above the rest. My favorite of the three is, uh, it's probably Lou Nichols just because his production is so good. Um, he, he's been in school for three years now. Uh, yeah, this will be his fourth year. His first two years have been – or his la- most recent two years have been very good. This past year, he was incredible. I think he led the country in rushing. Um, he's a bruiser. Uh, he catches the ball out of the backfield a little bit. I worry about his testing, which is a big thing. These guys have to come out and, and be good athletes. And with Lou Nichols – He's not going to run fast, but he can't run slow and get good draft capital. So that's what he has to overcome. Um, but he's my favorite because that production is just is so enticing. And he's a big dude. He's, he's got workhorse size. Central Michigan, Lee Nichols, yeah. Yeah. How about you, Chris? Who's, who's one of your guys that we need to look at G5-wise? Man, I, I, I love going G5 because I just have so many guys that I, I'm holding out hope for. Um, give me Zach Koontz. He is the tight end out of Old Dominion, and he's been talked about a little bit, uh, you know, especially in the college fantasy space because he really caught fire last year. He he was originally committed to tight end to Penn State. He joined Ricky Ronnie when he took the Old Dominion, the Old Dominion job. Six eight, big dude, but he's fast. He's athletic. He featured on the freak list that came out last week on the Athletic. I think he could make a name for himself. I think he's a little big for a tight end, but with that athleticism, he's a real mismatch. And so I think he's a guy who could potentially go, you know, round three, and, and you're looking at potentially a four, a, a six eight tight end who runs a four six. Like that's very unheard of, and I, I'm really excited to see what he can do because he was in that conditioning program at Penn State, and he's proven to be more athletic as time has gone on. And he's going to be featured in that offense. So I think he's going to have the opportunity to produce. And you don't see that out of like most tight ends at the collegiate level. So I'm really tentative, tentatively excited for Zach Coons. And just huge. What a Gigantic. big guy he is. Like, he's just huge. I absolutely love that. Shane, how about you? A G5 guy that is uh, making your heart flutter just a tad. Um, uh, look, I'll, I'll, I'll take the, I'll take the other running back in the room to me. Right. I, and I think in Chris will test and CFF, there's kind of two really 
you know, first round G5 running backs. And, and Lou Nichols from Central Michigan, Nelly mentions one of them. Rasheen Ali from Marshall is the other one. Now he's smaller. Um, he's just just over 200, could even come in, you know, a little bit light on that, but super athletic. He's one of those guys that's going to probably test very well at the next level. Uh, and he, you know, also on the freak list. So that like, that's a good sign when the running back from Marshall, you know, is on the freak list, super productive uh, player that can catch the ball. I, I think he moves well. Um, you know, I, I have some worry of how he kind of matches up against better competition, but you know, I, I think when like kind of what we're talking with, with Zach Koontz, like if you get a guy that's, good productive and then tests well usually that's going to be a top 100 pick like nfl team is going to pick up on that i think rashina Ali could be that kind of player uh and i think he's i think he's a guy that should be going in debbie drafts that are you know four rounds uh five rounds right now so like for the for the two nerds in the room just real quick like when we talk about kind of g5 guys like do their stats and they're do they have to like blow these thresholds completely out of the water that you would normally hold for like a normal p5 guy or is it like oh they hit the threshold they hit the threshold like regardless of if it's p5 or g5 yeah i i'll let nelly speak on this as well i i think he probably shares a similar opinion that i do but you've you have to be really excelling at a G5 level. Like I don't generally what we talk about with the wide receivers is, you know, the, the 20% market share is, is very common 20% dominator, depending how you look at it. My G5 guys, I want like 35%. Uh, you need to really be dominating lower levels of competition and your receiver room. There are very few group five teams around the country that have a quality receiver room. So if you're going to stand out as a receiver, you need to be doing that. If you are going to stand out as a running back, you need to prove a that you're dominating the backfield. So backfield dominator is a great number to look at here, but also that you're a quality receiver. I think I don't think you can be drafted round three if you're just a bruiser. That's a one concern that I have. But I need you to be posting upper percentile production metrics across the board, regardless of what position that you you are. Um, tight end is a little bit different because I, I don't think production matters as much as like athleticism does and the ability to translate. Um, but for the other three positions, I think that's true. Yeah, I paused to answer because I wasn't sure if you were referring to me as a nerd, Kane. But um, <laughs> I was. You, you may have been talking to, to, to Shane there. Yeah, but, right. Um, um, no, I mean, I agree. I don't have any, like, any quantitative response. But conceptually, everything Chris says makes sense, right? Like, we want to see dominance from our players. So if they're playing at a lower level of competition, we want to see a higher level of dominance to kind of, to kind of like improve on that relationship that we, that we've kind of established when we're looking for success rates. So, so definitely. And I also think, I think something that does need to be mentioned now is with these transfer rules, like a lot of these guys that look like good prospects after a couple of years from T5 schools, they're going to start transferring up. So we're, it's going to be like, I think the guys that we see drafted from, from G5 schools are going to probably lessen in numbers because these guys are going to, I mean, we saw a guy like Jacob Cowling, Jacob Cowling, who had a, a flawless production profile, he transferred up. Um, we saw that with, with multiple guys, Isaiah and Ayor, 
was another guy who did the exact same thing. So, so I think, I think the portal is an important thing to talk about here as well when we talk about these G5 guys. So uh, let me comment on that. Cause I think it's an interesting point. I talked to um, one of my guys who he's, his focus is small school. So even smaller than G5, we're talking FCS uh, and below and I asked them about like transfer portal. Is it going to basically make your job obsolete, right? Like, are you, you know, you're scouting these guys. And he basically said, I think it's going to even out. Like, I think, yeah, a lot of them are going to leave, but then you're going to have, and then when we talk to G5, you're going to have a Kamar Wheaton transfer down and be a legitimate NFL prospect. Right. So I, you know, I, I think there's a give and take to, yeah, if you're really good at G5, you're probably going to start transferring up, but if you're athletic, but not good enough, perhaps, um, then you know, you might transfer down and still like Jerome Ford end up going to the NFL. Um, so just running back wise, if we just take some numbers that I forced Nelly to create. Uh, so if we just look at top 24 running back production for the NFL, right? Um let me just set the line. Let's let's say 75%. Shane, do you think the uh, Power 5 has more or less than 75% of the top 24 finishes over the last five years in the NFL? At running back? Um, I'm going to say I'm going to say over. I think it'll be close, but I think it'll be over. How about you, Mox? Yeah, I'll give it a slight over, but I also think it's probably pretty close. Nelly? I'm looking at the numbers that I created, trying to do the math, and I can't do it quickly. <laughs> but it's close. So it is over. It's 81%. So 81% of all top 24 Arby finishes over the last five years were from Power 5 conferences. So you're looking at 19% of those guys, which ends up being a very low number, especially when I think every nerd can agree that like once you've hit a top 24 season once, you have a better chance of finishing as a top 24 again than someone new just completely replacing them, right? So you have the same guys when they are hitting in a G5, it's basically them showing up on these results a second or third time, right? Rather than some new player coming in. So that basically tells us this hit rate is very, very low. Um, so like... If we just look at the highest success rate, that would come from, you know, either the uh, AAC or the Mountain West. Um, and their percent total, if you include, you know, the percent that are drafted day one and day one and two, you're looking at about 7.6% for the Mountain West and 5.99% for the AAC. So, like, the chance that these guys are hitting are so incredibly low. So I think that's why it even makes even more sense to really focus on the guys that have hit some really intense thresholds. Nelly, do you want to break down this chart even further? Yeah, and, and we'll share this chart in our Discord as well, too, if, if you want to take a look at the numbers. That way, it's not just us kind of talking about a chart here. I, I know that might be hard as a listener, but I, I think the big thing to mention here is a majority of your hits are coming from from power five guys, but that's also because a majority of your day one and two running backs are power five guys. Um, you can see from the chart, uh, if you if you join the Discord, the percent of guys that are hitting is pretty similar to the percent of guys that are drafted, right? So like if you get that draft capital, you're 
just because you're G5 as a running back, um, it doesn't make you less likely than a, than a power five running back with the same draft capital. So draft capital, once that is, is established, where you play doesn't really matter. Absolutely. We just know that, right, obviously a lot more P5 guys get drafted than G5 guys. That's exactly. the way it is. Also, should, in, in case you keep hearing us say G5 and P5, uh, Power 5 means the five major conferences in college football. That's obviously the SEC, Big 10, ACC, Pac-12, and Big 12 as the five major conferences, right? So anything outside of that, um, whether that means, you know, an independent, whether that means Mid-American, Mountain West, Sun Belt, um, American Athletic Conference, Conference USA, right? Obviously got to talk about the MAC as always because MAC just represents um, – who else is playing football in those days when we need football, right? It's just the Mac. And there's something to say for that. Um, but so anything outside of that power five just kind of gets the uh, gross label of G5. Yeah. And if you're listening to this 10 years from now, we did have five power conferences uh, in the year of 2022. <laughs> um, it used to be this point. Yes. Yeah. A very good point. Uh, so we, we've kind of touched on some of the guys here. Like, how how do we feel kind of quarterback-wise, right? We play in a lot of super flex leagues. Quarterback-wise in the G5, like, do we feel good, bad, otherwise about G5 guys even making it and being worth a heavy pick? I mean, I mean, I, you know, I can start, right, because – once again, I think it's really tied to draft capital. You almost have to be, I'll even be generous, top 50 pick a quarterback to really feel like you have a shot to, you know, become a difference maker. And so that's like super rare um, for that to happen. Obviously with Trey Lance two years ago and, and Josh Allen's lighting it up. Um, but like, it's really hard to do that. I don't feel great about it, especially and I'm not including BYU in this being an independent. So I, I don't feel great about it. Like, I think there are good G5 quarterbacks. Uh, you know, I think there are good players. I think Grayson McCall from Coastal Carolina is probably my top rated that maybe has a top 100 shot, like maybe round three. And so if that's the extent and Debbie, it's just not worth the investment because I think there's so much volatility and you have to be either a really, really good, productive, dominant, or you have to be, you know, Josh Allen, huge, big arm and can run. You know, even like a Bailey Zappi breaks every record. Right. And I mean, he's going to be a career backup. So, you know, there's there's just so little wiggle room compared to running back receiver because there's only one thirty two guys that are going to be on the field. So that's my thought. I generally don't invest in, you know, G5 quarterbacks. You know, even a guy like Desmond Ritter, who I've I did draft in some Debbies, and you know, I know we have some people in the Discord that did look look like everything you wanted went pick seventy four. <laughs> you know, so like you still can't really win there. Yeah, it, I I assume both of you guys are going to say the exact same thing. Yeah, like they're just much. not going to get drafted. Yeah, yeah I mean, someone special. It, I mean, if we, it does feel like it happens, like almost a disproportionate amount of time. Like we had Lance, and we had. I, I considered 
Zach Wilson G5 um, last year. Um, I mean, we had like Derek Carr as a G5 guy. It does happen. It's just, it feels like it's really hard to predict. Like no one saw Trey Lance coming in Debbie circles. Zach Wilson was kind of seen, but we don't have anyone who looks like that right now. Um, no one who, who kind of profiles as a super toolsy guy who has also started to put it together on the field in, in the G5 ranks. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I, that could have been Cameron Ward, but then we saw him transfer up to Washington state. I mean, he had the ARP talent and a lot of these, a lot of the times you're seeing these guys get drafted is they were passed over in high school. Basically. I think the story with Trey Lance was he wasn't offered a scholarship at Minnesota when he went to their camp and opted to go to North Dakota state. Sorry, Kane. Um, <laughs> but I, Cameron Ward played in wing T offense in high school, which is apparently uh, also Kane. Very successful in <laughs> seven on seven. Um, but eight a lot of these guys are passed up. Yeah, they're, they're, they're passed up or they're ignored for some reason. And it's not really a question of talent until we see them play. And then at that point, it's like, oh, these guys are kind of legit. They're toolsy. They have skills. It's, it's very rare that a player who was paid attention to does slip through the cracks and comes up. It's more, there's like an extenuating circumstance almost. And that's what I felt about a lot, a lot of the guys that have come through, at least recently. Yeah, I guess I guess we can just move to the, the to the one position that I think we at least see a little more success from in terms of like guys just being able to get at least day two capital, right? And that's the wide receiver position. I think overall the wide receiver position we probably have a few more just in in just pure numbers. Probably more guys drafted in the G5 in day two than we see running backs, right? Just because the sheer number of wide receivers getting drafted compared to running backs just in total in a normal draft, right? Um, So let's just talk about the top G5 receivers. Shane, who is your top G5 receiver right now? Uh, it's rough. Like it's, it's rough. I'm looking at my rankings. I really expected to have more G five receivers than I do. Uh, my top rated G five receiver in my 2023 rankings, which shameless plug just launched on DraftCountdown.com. We relaunched, uh, is Jalen Cropper, Fresno state wide receiver 23 for the 2023 class. That is not Top 100. That's going to be barely getting drafted in my next mock draft. You know, um, and and look, Jalen Cropper's talented, productive. He's he's small. He's going to have to be like a four four flat guy to even get drafted, let alone start to get the Dwayne Eskridge type buzz and move up. And you know, Jake Hanner and Jalen Cropper going to have to be insane for that to happen. Um, so. Yeah, you know, he's he's one spot above another G five guy that someone may take, but uh, you know. I, I don't feel as good about it right now because Alec Nelly mentioned before, a lot of them cannot on field Jacob Cowing. Both those guys are above him transferred up. And I think that's hurting the current group for the, this next year. Yeah. Nelly, how about you here? Yeah. Uh, I really like Nathaniel Dell. Now Nathaniel Dell goes by tank Dell and he's at the nickname because he's five ten, one fifty five. So, so now that that's out in front of us, he's tiny, right? Like that that's a question that's going to be a question. But he is going to be uber productive. And this is kind of based on the fact that I think Houston's going to be really good this year. I think they have a chance to run the table. Um, and him and Clayton Toon, 
throw the ball. Like their connection is very, very strong. And I think his stats this year, he like he has a chance to put up fifteen hundred receiving yards this year. Um, he has a chance to lead the country in receiving. I think he's that good in, in a high profile offense. And I think when you put up those numbers, and he did it last year as well. He was very good last year. I think you start to get that that recognition. And I think he, he's a fast guy. I think he'll run fast uh, at the combine. And so that'll help. Think like Calvin Austin. Sure. Chris, how about you? All right. I I want to give one guy, but I actually have three that I really like. So I'm just going to, I'm going to lay him on you. Yeah. Small speedster, really strong despite his size. Troy wide receiver, Tez Johnson. Also sub 160, but he was on the freak list last year. And this dude has re, is like a really strong guy. I think he lifted 500 pounds. He's a freak. Uh, I think he's really fast, and I think he's been productive at Troy, and he has the speed, and that's one of the things that teams will look at. Second guy, and I he would be my number one player, player uh, at least receiver at the G5 level if he didn't get hurt. Is Trayvon Rudolph? Um, I thought he's was a fantastic player uh, at NIU. I think he'll come back and be a good player next year. Really dynamic. He was using the rushing game. He was used as a returner. He's one of the best returners in the country, um, to be honest. I think he was top ten uh, punt returns or he returns yards last year. Really great player. Very dynamic. Um, definitely the strong spot of that offense. I'm really excited to see what he comes back. He, I think he had a Torres ACL or at least has a severe knee injury is out for the year. Um, super bummer. A guy that's kind of deeper, and I don't think a lot of people are quite paying attention to him yet because he's only in his third year, is Middle Tennessee State's Jalen Lane. So he's 5'11", like 185-ish. But he is, if he's not the best returner in the country, he's at least top five. I mean, this is a really, really dynamic dude. Um Plays the slot most of the time, but I think that he has a lot of the skills that will translate to the next level. And what I talked about earlier was you need some sort of special team skills to stick. And if you can stick as a group of five player, that increases your chances. And I think Jalen Lane has ball skills. He's kind of tiny. He can add a little bit more weight. He's only in his third year at a program that isn't known for their strength and conditioning, Middle Tennessee State. I'm a big fan of his. I actually think he's a very dynamic player and he's someone that I don't think anyone's talking about, but is, is seriously one of the better um, athletes plus like just duo of receiving and dynamism that you don't see. He he's really interesting to me. I don't mean to go too deep on y'all either, but like these are players I think could seriously be drafted. No, I, actually, I think Jane Lane's on the NFL radar. Like, I think he's yes. on that radar, like you said, because as a return guy. So, that's good. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a name here. Um, I'm gonna give you a name here. Feel free to uh, tell me I'm wrong, but you know, I think we got to go to the Mountain West. Got to talk about Boise State, um, Stefan Cobbs. But we got to talk about in the Mountain West. We have to talk about Boise State, Stefan Cobbs. Now I know Nelly is going to say eh, he's been in college forever. Like, shut up, Nelly. I don't need to hear it. Um, this is a guy that's been named to two watch lists already. Um, the first, I don't know if you know about the Earl Campbell Tyler Rose Award, but it, the criterion is so specific to like be able to get this 
like even named for this award, so I'm just going to give it to you so Nelly can roll his eyes even harder. So to be eligible, you have to be born in Texas, play your high school football in Texas, play at a junior college or a four-year college in Texas. So he meets all of those things because he did play one year of junior college. In Texas. <laughs> Dang, man. I would hope he wins that award. Um, so he he did get named for that one. Also, the one that actually kind of matters, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever looked at kind of the Paul Hornung Award. So that just means the most versatile player in college football. Um, and he's, he's named for that mainly because uh, he's a very good returner in his own right. Um, he didn't get a ton of opportunities to do that. Um, so I think that for a touchdown, um, and then he also had 10 kick returns, averaging at least 20 yards um, on all of those. So um, re- I'm at least interested in Stefan Cobbs here. Uh, I think he has the chance to, you know, at least be interesting. And we could be looking at a draft pick here. We've seen multiple Boise State wide receivers be successful uh, in their last year of college and go to the NFL. So that's who I'm picking. Can I can I add a um, what's what's the award the Earl Campbell Tyler Rose award? Can I can I add a player that I didn't talk about earlier to that? Yeah, that I think it's pretty good. Rasheed Rice, receiver at SMU. Yeah. I think he is a legit chance to be drafted as well. And I I got the award, man. He went to Texas. He's been in a Texas school for four years. <laughs> in criteria, he's winning it. Yeah. Now, now that you mentioned that award, I think he was a he was a nominee as well. I, I like both guys, man. I like Stefan Cubs. I think he's dynamic. I like Rishi Rice. Like, now we're naming uh, those type of award winners. I, and you got my juices flowed, man. <laughs> Rishi Rice is a great Someone call out. I, I mean, he competed with uh, – Danny Gray just went in the third round, and Rishi Rice was as good as him this past year at SMU. And they're going to be good again with Tanner Mordecai at quarterback. Uh, I guess one more guy who would be eligible for that award and one of Kane's favorites. I'm actually shocked that he didn't say him. I, I kind of left him for him because I'm also a big fan is Zachary Franklin at, at UTSA. Um, he's been productive. This is his fourth year of school His all three years so far. He's been very, very productive. And that includes games against P5 schools where he's been very good. I think he had like 150 yards against Illinois last year. And yeah, it's Illinois. It's like, they're Illinois, but they are P5. So I think it says something. When he performs in his opportunity, you know, they don't get a lot of opportunities to play Power 5 schools. So when he does and he performs, there has to be a positive, right? Like, you can't just knock him and say, oh, well, it was Illinois. Guess what? He's performing against Power 5 when he has the opportunity. Like, that's a huge win. I, 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 I like Franklin a lot as well. Yeah, so I I guess I'm actually not seeing that Stefan Cobbs actually went to a junior college. So I don't know how he's like eligible for this award, to be honest with you. Because <laughs> he's been up he's like I just assumed he had been to like a junior college or something in in Texas, but he's been at Boise State every year. So and the fun thing about Boise State is I know it's not in Texas. <laughs> Which is pretty good. It's pretty good for you. So Yeah. So uh I'm at a complete loss here. Um, 
or maybe we're gonna the, have to call the committee here and uh, maybe just the criteria, or maybe that single criterion that I was looking at could just be incorrect. Could just, or um, maybe, maybe it's high school, or maybe, yeah, maybe. Um, but, he scored against UTEP. Maybe that's it. <laughs> that counts. <laughs> that checks out. Um, so, are there any other players we want to touch on here before uh, Shane kind of teaches us something about history? Can I? Can I give one more? Yeah, I've given yeah. a it lot of players. A, it tonight, could be any position. But... So this isn't even G5. We're going FCS, baby. Yes. Tucker Craft. Tight end out of South Dakota State. I got that right. right. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think he is firmly locked in as a third rounder. Um, I'm pretty confident in that. I think he's really athletic. He has great size. He's our, he's like 6'5", 255 already. He is lit up uh, at the FCS level. I think that he's just going to do more of that this season. They're not a super pass-heavy team. I mean, they're a team that rolls out like multiple fullbacks on plays. So you're not going to see a super sexy receiving line from him, but he's a guy that is already getting recognition in NFL circles. He's been ranked as a top five tight end pretty consistently in most of the ranks or mocks that I've seen. Uh, I'm really interested in Tucker Craft. I think that he is someone I, – I, I don't know what his NFL upside is, but I do think he's a day-two pick. And that's enough for me to be interested, especially in the FCS level. Yeah, I know Shane wants to talk about him because I know Shane loves him. Um, and I think he actually did oh, talk yes. about him last week on the pod. But I think I have the right to talk about him because I draft him in our in our in our Discord league. He's on my he's on my campus decant roster and I'm yeah, yeah. I'm holding him. I think I mean he has athleticism, right? He's like he's Dallas Got that's where Dallas Goddard went to school. He's a North Dakota or I think he's from South Dakota plays in South Dakota. They just, the Midwest just breeds like free tight ends. It's like, it's Iowa, it's, it's South Dakota. It's all those, it's that entire area. So if he has the athleticism, um, he, he's got the potential to be a, a round two guy. He, he's my number two tight end for 2023 behind Michael Mayer. So, so that's fair. Nelly, do you want to give an FCS guy, Nelly? I'll, I'll let you have the guy I took. Well, in our, it's my guess is who you'll go with. Yeah, South Dakota State is producing talent. I mean, you just mentioned Tucker Craft. How about Isaiah Davis? Running back, he's I think he's 6'2", 210, 220. I saw a highlight of him his freshman year in, in the FCS championship game where he stiff-armed three or four guys en route to an 80-yard touchdown. I think part of, like, a 180 yard three touchdown game. And, and you have to keep in mind, this is the same school that Pierre strong played at. And Isaiah Davis carved out a massive role in this offense. And Pierre strong just went, where'd he go? Fifth round in the NFL draft uh, to the new England Patriots. So I think with that size, the production he has, he returns kicks as a six to 200 plus to, uh, pound player. Like that, that's impressive. It's kind of unheard of. So I, I he's a freak athlete with production. I, I love him for for NFL potential. And look, if you listen to the pod, I've had both those guys as buys in the past. <laughs> so if you listen to that, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give one more um who I've also had as a buy at one point. Uh and I think this is gonna be the breakout receiver FCS wise for 2023. It's Andre Ayo Man, I butchered that from Princeton. Um he is 6'3, 200 pounds, legit 4'3 speed. He like is dominant. Like Princeton sucks. Like they are an awful, awful team. And man, he's just like burning guys. It's just wide open all the time. 
Um, I think, you know, he, like he's at Princeton. He's not going to be Christian Watson. He's not going to get drafted probably day two, but um, day three with upside, I think he's, he's probably the, the best receiver you got from that level. So especially for fantasy. All right, Shane, you want to teach us something? I do, because, Katie, so you were in Pittsburgh today, uh, this past week for 24 hours with me. And I taught you something about history while we were there, just randomly, right? So I figured... It's so so fitting that people, just so people know, I asked one question, because there was a sign, and I was like, what's that? And it seemed almost defeated. She was like, "That Shane's Shane's about to teach you something," and Shane, like, as we were walking to this place, Shane is like just telling this entire story of this fort, like just off the top of his noggin. Um, so Shane too is exactly what you would think you would be in person. <laughs> well, our hist- guess what our history minute is today? It's about that fort. So I'm going to teach you exactly what I taught Kane. So in in Pittsburgh at the point where the three rivers of Pittsburgh meet, uh, we have Fort Pitt. And so this, this was like a, it was a key place that kind of kicked off the French and Indian war uh, because the French moved down from Canada to what they call the forks area there and took it. George Washington was a high ranking military official for England and wanted to attack the French there. He's like, this is, pretty key like we're, this is going to be a problem um but he was gathering supplies and volunteers uh and so they um you know they they ended up like going and trying to uh they couldn't fight the french so they retreated um and the french kind of took that fort and turned it into fort duquesne so the french Indian war is happening this fort is controlled by the french and william pitt who Pittsburgh's named after ordered Washington to attack that fort. Um, so like Washington had this huge setback. He had you know, losing the fort, basically like lost all of his men. If you've uh, seen the musical Hamilton, he actually talks about that defeat. And so William Pitt sends him back in. Washington is successful. They take the fort, rename it Fort Pitt after um, William Pitt and Washington wanted to keep going on the offensive. Uh, and then, by winning that ends up cutting off the French English win the French and Indian war. And that's why America, why we speak English, why does English, if that hadn't happened, we'd probably be speaking French. There you have it. That's there exactly, go. I got to hear it for a second time. <laughs> how, how lucky are you? Uh, that was almost, it felt almost word for word for what he told me. Off the like off the cuff, like we were just walking there, and he goes, "Let me tell you everything about this place." Um, <laughs> at least I asked, so it wasn't like just unprompted. Um, but prop Shane, thank you. Thank you can just you can just, that was, that you can just throw out history it at any time. Listen to it twice, you know. That's true. Uh, let's just move into our buy sells an unknown stock. Uh, Nelly, you want to go first? Yeah, uh, I will start off with my unknown because I think it's a pretty good thing to talk about. My unknown stock is Quinn Ewers. Now, I've been down on him this offseason relatively. He's some For some people, is a first-round pick in, in Debbie. Uh, for me, he's a late second, early third. 
uh, just because there's unknown with him, as this segment kind of alludes to. But now there's there's reports that he's potentially losing the quarterback job at Texas to Hudson Card, who was who got benched on his last year. So, like, to me, the fact that this is a legitimate QB competition in and of itself is a red flag for Quinn Ewers. I still think he'll win the job, whether that's right away or at some point in the season. But I think his cost right now doesn't take into account the downside that he's just not as good as his recruiting recruiting acumen was. So I don't know what to do with him because right now I think you have to wait for him to at least win the job if you want to move off of him. But, but I, I don't know. I would be worried if I had shares of him. Um, my cell is my cell is the whole Arizona Wildcats offense in 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 Debbie. Um, I don't think that Arizona is going to be good. They were really bad last year. Now they had a first year head coach in Jed Fish, um, and now he's a second year head coach. So generally, you see a bump. But I think you have to like they were like Vanderbilt Northwestern bad. Like they were they were brutal. So. While I think they take a step forward, I worry about guys like Jacob Cowling, who I loved. I worry about his his uh, Debbie upside playing at a, a weak school. Like I worry about the top recruits like Totoro McMillan going there. Um, I just don't know if they're going to be good enough to like put up statistics that like show them off to the NFL. So uh, there are some people who love the Arizona offense and love players there. I. I am not one of those. Um, my buy is, hmm, I'm buying Marvin Mims. I think he's been faded too far because of, I don't really know why. Like, his production has been pretty solid through two years. He's going to be a full-time player this year at Oklahoma. He's, he's um, Dylan Gabriel is going to be throwing him the ball a lot. And, and Dylan Gabriel is a good college quarterback. He's going to be able to get him the ball. So I think if he puts up good numbers this year, he could be an early declare and go round two in the draft. Shane, how about you? Uh, so so my buy is A.T. Perry, wide receiver for Wake Forest. Sam Hartman is out for an undisclosed amount of time, right? And so I think if you can buy the dip of A.T. Perry in a Debbie League, someone took him in the last round, he's been – getting drafted in Debbie leagues now. Uh, I think I would, because I think the NFL likes him. Doesn't seem like Sam Hartman's going to miss the whole season. So even if there's a pocket of four games of production at the end of the year, A.T. Perry goes crazy. Uh, I mean, he's, he's giant. He's probably going to be a top 10 receiver in this class, potentially if the workouts are decent, I think you can get him for like dirt cheap. And I think it's worth buying. Uh, my, my sell is Kendall Milton running back for Georgia. Um, He's hurt right now. Kane's sources have said it's nothing to worry about. They're just kind of holding him out, which is fine. I, I, you know, I'll be that guy. I I still think, I think Kenny McIntosh is going to be the lead back for the Georgia Bulldogs. I think Kendall Milton's going to basically play the same role with maybe a little more carries this year than he played last year. And as much as we liked him, I think he's a talented running back. I don't think he declares like, I think he goes back to school and then you have Branson Robinson. Then you know, then things get muddied even more. Um, so I think for the value, I think Kendall Milton's worth selling. You might be able to buy back in a year cheaper. My unknown is Jaden Reed, wide receiver, Michigan State. Uh, one of those players, like I just don't think Michigan State's offense is going to be very good this year. I think Jaden Reed's like 
talented. So I, you know, I wonder is if is he going to be kind of the you know guy I just throw out for like any comp now, like Josh Palmer, right? Tennessee, just not very productive, but like talented enough that he ends up getting drafted decently, maybe. Or maybe because receivers so deep in college football now that it's just he just gets buried again. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to do with him. So hopefully someone can enlighten me out there. Max, how about you? All right, I'll start with my unknown. Uh, it's very similar to Nelly. I don't know what to do with Jackson Dart. I am terrified. Um, you know, I wasn't a guy who was drafting him super high previously, but there were a lot of discussions, um, even at Kansas Canton and, and what we were having internally, that should he be ranked above Caleb Williams? And I saw, I saw that a lot, and I'm not even sure he's going to win this job over Luke Altmaier this year. That's kind of where I land with him, and I, I think he's a good player. But he's he almost plays hero ball every single play. Like He's just rocketing it. And he has a baseball background, and you can tell that in his decision-making and the throws that he makes. Like, you can see it on the field, and he hasn't settled in yet. Based on our – based on the spring game, I thought he just didn't look very good. I thought Luke Altmaier outplayed him, and it sounds like Altmaier might take the job. He had a good scrimmage, I think, this weekend, but still a little scared of him. Uh, my buy, and I went I, – I wavered between two guys here. I wanted to keep it on – the G5 uh, plane, but I ultimately decided to go with Kate Klubnik. The big news out of Clemson for me was that he was up 16 pounds. He was a really tiny guy coming in, like real skinny, and that he's up to 200 pounds is a huge win, I think, for his profile because he'll keep adding weight. And even if he doesn't beat out DJ Ugalele this year, I do think that he's a productive enough and quality enough player to make a big impact at Clemson. And I didn't like his tape all that much, but a lot of people that I trust, including Alan true 24 seven said, when you watch him live, it's different. Like the ball comes out differently. He's a much better player seeing him live. And I'm really excited to actually see him at Clemson because I was lower on him. And there's been a lot of positive news. And I thought he played kind of well in the spring game, especially for a guy who didn't have an offensive line. And was, it was his first time really, throwing the ball around. So I, I, I am buying Cade Klubnik, especially at discounted prices. My sell is Montreal Johnson. And I know a lot of people like Montreal Johnson, but I'm not sure he is the RB2. And I don't think he's the RB1. So that's saying something. I, I don't think that he's going to be the primary ball carrier for that Florida team this year. He came over with Billy Napier from Louisiana. And I think he's a quality back, but I'm not sure he's quite the type of back that is going to be productive at a power five level. I'm not sure that he's going, he's done enough to win a starting job. I don't like any other guys in front of him. I don't like Naquan Wright. I don't like Lorenzo Lingard, but the news coming out of Florida is kind of terrifying to me as well. And where I've seen him drafted is, you know, round almost round four, round five of Debbie drafts. That's a little rich for me based on, I think a lot of the fall camp reports and the spring reports that we've seen. I think he's the best player in that backfield, but I I I I can't quite pay that price currently. So my buy is Jarquez Hunter. Uh, I I think he continues to eat into the uh, share that we would want Tank Bigsby to have at Auburn. 
Um, I think Jarquez Hunter is just a really good athlete too. Uh, my sell, pretty sure this has been a sell in this podcast before, but it has to be Josh Downs. Like he's getting some people are hyping him along with some of these top twenty twenty three receivers. Like he's not. Um, I think there's a lot of receivers that can do exactly what he can do uh, for much cheaper prices that the NFL will like just as much. Um, so I don't understand his price point either. And my unknown is only to attack Moxley, and that's uh, really all of the South Carolina offense. Um, main, mainly because I, I don't know if we're playing Beamer ball or not. Right, like I don't know if we're going to run the ball a crap ton. Or is Spencer Rattler going to throw it a ton? Like, I honestly don't know. And it can go either way. Like, it, Spencer Rattler could throw the ball way more than I think he's going to. But, like, it, would it surprise me if, you know, they're running the ball 40-plus times a game? No. Like, that wouldn't surprise me either. Uh, so, that's just my unknown because I, I really don't know what that offense is going to look like overall. So that's what I'm going with. Sorry, Mox. I'm not offended. I kind of agree. <laughs> Antoine Wells. But that's... That's yeah, Antoine Wells. We, that, that's the... We can agree on that. Yeah. But that's it for us here at the Debbie Marketplace. Make sure you, if you're on Twitter, make sure you go over and follow uh, Chris Moxley at ChrisMoxley19 on the, uh, on the Twitters. And make sure you're checking out all of his work as well as um, a lot of our other friends have a ton of work over at campus to canton so make sure you check that out as well uh, but mox we just want to say thank you so much for uh, hopping on here and uh, we'll have you back for sure when we can see if some of these g5 guys end up hitting um, but for us here at the Devi marketplace uh, we just want to let you know that we appreciate you and thank you so much for listening